0: This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com/be. That's IXL.com/be.
1: Transformative Principle, episode 51, with Teresa Stagger. Welcome to Transformative Principle, the show where we learn every week from a leader who's making a difference how to become better and improve our schools. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. You can find great resources and the show notes at transformativeprincipal.com.
2: My name is Teresa Stager, and I am a second-year principal in southeastern Michigan. I am the principal of a pre-K through 8 Catholic school, and we have about 135 students pre-K through 8, which is a, a fantastic amount, you know, to be able to do the cool things that we're trying to do. <laughs> Wait, how many pre-K through 8? 135.
1: Oh my goodness, that's, that
2: I sounds know like one. hardly any it is when i was teaching we had 135 kids in a grade
1: yeah. you know
2: and so it's there are we have an average of um, 11 students per class my son is in the kindergarten there and there are seven in the kindergarten and we have uh, 13 i think in the first grade where my daughter is and it's it's amazing because they're able to do so much more because there's yeah. i mean just literally so few kids i think the biggest class we have We have two classes that have 15. Wow. Yeah. It's awesome.
1: (laughs) Wow. And that's whole grade levels, right?
2: That's it. Yeah. We have one, there's one class per grade. So how,
1: how is that even sustainable?
2: You know what? It's well, remembering too, that in parochial schools in, in the state of Michigan, it's different in, in different places, but in the state of Michigan, we don't have any vouchers or anything like that. So if our students come to our school, they have to pay tuition, mm-hmm. and we have we receive no money from the state. The only thing that we, we receive is Title funds from, and only because that our district, um, the district that we're housed in, has is uh, has a couple of Title One schools, and mm-hmm. so if any of our students are eligible for Title One, and live. In the boundaries of those two schools, we receive funding for those kids, and I think there—I think we have—I don't know—I think there's only like two this year because it's only K through five, and there's only one family that lives in that area, wow. and um, so we receive that funding, and we're Title II from that district as well, but and and that's you know prorated based on how many kids we have from their district, and blah blah blah. But uh, so it's sustainable because in parochial schools in Michigan. Uh, they make a lot less money mm-hmm. than the public schools do. And that's, it's because we don't have tax funding. We can't, you know, it's purely based on, uh, based on enrollment, but we're also subsidized by the church mm-hmm. that we're a part of. And the archdiocese says that you can only have, you know, your the subsidy is supposed to be about 20% of your operating budget. And once it hits, starts getting above that, then they start looking at, you know, what problems are where you can cut things. But, uh, the, This is it. Parochial schools are are truly a place where, you know, the people who want to teach and want to be able to share their faith do that because it you know, you don't make a lot of money and it's not it's not even really, you know, for a single parent. I don't even think it's enough for them to be able to survive, let alone, you know, but as a second income, it works really well. And and it's a happy place. We try to make it, you know, it sounds Disney-esque, but we can't give them what they deserve to be paid, so we try to make it a really, really good working environment, mm-hmm. and that helps, too, because anyone who's taught, you know, in a public school, and I'm not saying that all public schools are like this, but, it, you know, it can get to that point that it's so stressful because there are so many kids, and there's so much, there's so many more loopholes and paperwork, and, you know, so many other things that, that keep you focused on that. Mm-hmm that it's nice to kind of not have to deal with all of that sometimes. And so, you know, and we can we can be more flexible with allowing them time off for doctor's appointments, you know, without having to take a half day or, you know, it, extra, you know, leaving them a, a cup of coffee, you know, taking them coffee up to their classroom or something like right. that, just to, you know, just to kind of, but it's, it's only sustainable in that our families pay tuition. We do a lot of fundraising mm-hmm. and, um, and that's kind of the, you know, the way that it goes. Now, there's a new, we have a new governor. Not No, we don't have a new governor. <laughs> we, have, we had a new governor six years, four years ago. Um, and he is kind of turning everything into business. That's mm-hmm. where he is. And I was actually laid off when he started all of his cuts. As a teacher, I was laid off.
0: Because oh, you are a music and
2: teacher. I was a music teacher for eight years. And then I was laid off. Um, and I was not at the bottom of seniority in my district. I was right up in the middle, um, and I was I was cut. And then, um, so but he is very pro charter schools and pro um, private schools. So I don't know if he's going to start pushing. We had a push for vouchers. Probably, I think when I first started teaching, mm. there was a big push of trying to get vouchers pushed through. But you know, at, when I was in the public school, I was like, "No, this is a horrible idea. <laughs> They're going right. to take all of our money. No, no." But you know, now being on the other side of it, it would really help us out. You know, it would allow us to to pay our teachers at least, you know, a livable salary. Yeah. But it's a it's a it is a great environment, and I'm very fortunate that I don't I don't have to make the money in my household, so I can take this job at a very reduced salary. And I can keep it because I love it. Yeah, you know, so it's it's very fortunate. Like you and I were talking about earlier, some things are just meant to be, and I feel like this is one of those. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, that's that's uh, pretty fascinating. So uh, I interrupted a little bit. Pardon me, and got us off, off on. Oh, no, you're okay. But uh, um, so what uh, what is the thing that you, this is your second year? Your first year was done. What did you walk away saying? This is the best thing that I, that I did this year?
2: You know, you had asked me that a couple of weeks ago and I was like spouting off like, you know, the, the things that we checked off at the end of the year, you know, Mm -hmm. this is what we did, this is what we did. And, and the more I thought about it, you know, there's just, there were so many deeper things, but I'll talk about, you know, I'll kind of talk about both of those in a little, you know, in a, in a certain way. One of the, the big issues that they had before I got there was it was very unstable. They had a principal for about 25 years, that had mm-hmm. been there forever, and she retired. Then we had another one who um, who came from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and that's about six hours from us. So, uh, his, you know, his family was up there, and he came, and he was wonderful, and then he got another job closer to where he was from, and he and his wife wanted to start a family, so then he left. And then there was this year where they had four principals mm-hmm. in the year. One of them was there for the summer and then like three weeks. And then they had an interim. And then I think the priest was the principal for a while. And then they brought in this other guy. And that was not a good fit. And so, oh um, yeah, it was just... And he stayed through the end of the year. But um, he was gone shortly after. And we... Um, a lot of people left the school because of that. Yeah. Um, there was just too much instability, too much, um, you know, of the unknown. And nobody likes to feel like, you know, they're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And that's kind of where they were all sitting. So mm. when I was brought in, the, you know, the idea was it, we we have to calm everybody down. We have to let them know, you know, the school is not closing. We we are, you know, we are going to. Calm things down. This was just a, a bad year, and and it's going to get better. And so, there was a lot of uh, a lot of rallying, you know. And there were a lot of people that that we had to convince. And mm-hmm. and then on the other side of it too, people were worried that I was going to leave, right. because the the principal that they had had before got a better job and left. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, there was so much more to it than that. But that was how they saw it. And so they were like, well, you know, why wouldn't you leave? Him like I don't want to, I don't want to go anywhere. Right. You know, I don't need. I don't need to make any more money. So there, it would have to be a really, really good situation to pull me away. And this is the best situation I could think of because the the priest trusts me one thousand percent, and the teachers work with me. So I would I would never ever want to move out of a situation like this. Right. You know, it would be crazy unless there was a reason that I had to. And so we, we calmed a lot of people down and we increased enrollment by 12 percent, which was huge because they had only been declining enrollment for about five years. And, and the, the increase that we had was not bringing people back but it was bringing in new families from really good school districts around Mm -hmm. here and from charter schools, you know, where they're going to school for free and now they're choosing to pay to come here because of what they've heard. You know, we did a ton of marketing, we did a ton of social media to get the name out there because we're in a little place called Rockwood and Rockwood is like, um, in the nicest way, that that it's an amazing town. It's this itty bitty little town. It's on, it's like Mayberry. Mm-hmm. You know, the police chief and the fire chief are brothers. Yeah. They're, you know, the, it's the, it's right across the street from the school. There is no downtown. We have we have the police department and the volunteer fire department and the school, and it's the only thing in Rockwood. Yeah, I mean, it's this itty bitty little town, and so we're we're not, you know, we're in between two two big areas, and it's just kind of hidden. We're not in a main street. We're in a, you know, it's so we had to really prove that we were here, mm-hmm. you know, and show people we were here. So that was, that was a huge part of it. And I think that, you know, looking back now, that's probably the biggest thing that we did was bring the community together. And so now we can move forward. But um, I had mentioned to you a lot of the the other really cool things that we did, which is... Um, yeah,
1: hold on just a second, though. Yeah, go ahead. Because here's what I find so fascinating. Um, okay. I've interviewed a lot of principals so far. And they keep coming back to this idea that community, relationships, culture, all that stuff is what they are most proud of. Oh, and yes. that is the one thing that is measured, that is required, that is um, stressed the least um, <laughs> right. compared to everything else that goes on in a school. And what's been so fascinating to me is that these highly successful principles that are known for so many other things and we're going to talk about those other things that you're known for you still come back to this idea that it's it's about the people and it's about having a good relationship with them and trusting them and having them trust you and to me that is just so powerful i just i just can't believe that every single principle keeps on coming back to that when it's the thing that we're also taught the least about in our administrative preparation programs but the good principles that are making a difference in other areas, that's where they're starting. And I it's it's just so amazing to me.
2: It's totally true because if you if you do not have a good relationship with your stakeholders, with the kids, with the parents, with the community, you're sunk. You know, there it's it's human nature, it's unfortunate, but it's human nature that People always feel like there is an ulterior motive for something, mm-hmm. and so if you can get them to know who you are, and and really what you're what you're trying to do, and that you know, principals do not go into being principals because they want power or because they want more money. That's not it's a if you if that's what you want this job for, you better look for something else because that is. This, this it's not it you know yeah. that is not the reason that you do this and once the parents see that you ch- you know I remember I had one of our one of our parents one of our little boys or one of our fourth graders um for instance had uh, they were playing and they were being silly and goofy in the classroom and somehow I'm using my air quotes right now but you can't see them somehow <laughs> he got a massive piece of pencil lead stuck in his hand hmm. right in the palm of his hand and he has no idea how it happened none I'm like i did just it you know it had to hurt and that's not where your pencil goes so i feel rather confident that there was something going on that should not have been right and it is deep in there i mean there is no way to get this thing out and he is flipping out. Mm-hmm. So the secretary is, you know, she's she's pouring <laughs> rubbing alcohol on it and or, um, peroxide on it to try to clean it out so that we can see what's really in there. And she's, she's like, this thing is deep. And so she called mom and she's like, what do you want me to do? And, you know, it's everybody knows everybody here. It's like one big, huge family. So right. mom knows the secretary and she's like, you know, what? grab some tweezers, try to get it out. She's like, just, you know, you could not do this in a public school. There's right. no way, <laughs> you know, there's no way. So, so many
1: things that you just said are, I would yeah. never let my secretary do. So exactly. <laughs> go on.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, you sit there and you go, Holy geez. But they're, they're all like family here. So, you know, it's like, it's like leaving your kids with their aunt, you mm-hmm. know, and aunt calls mom and she's like, what do you want me to do? And she's like, just try to get it out. Yeah. You know, just, just do whatever you can try to get it out. Let me know if I need to leave work. So my secretary is sitting there and she's, you know, she's pushing on it. She's trying to move it. We're soaking it in water. She grabs tweezers. She tries to grab it. And this kid is hysterical because now he realizes it's not coming out and he knows it's a bigger problem. Right. So we call mom and we're like, you have to get here because he's flipping out and we're not trying anymore. Like this is we, we tried to do the surface stuff. It's not coming out. So get here. Mom decides she doesn't want to take him to the doctor. Because she's going to wait for, you know, three hours. They've got, sister has a, a volleyball game at the high school tonight. And they just don't have time to try to get this out. So she's going to sit there and she's going to try to get it out in the office. And so oh. this poor little boy is holding his hand and he's now in my lap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, I've got my hand over his eyes and I'm facing his his head on my shoulder and he is sobbing. He's got my other hand and he's like breaking my fingers. He's squeezing it so hard. And mom is like trying to dig. There's the secretary is holding ice on his hand, you know, and she's there to which are like, it's okay, it's okay, you know, or mm-hmm. just don't look, you'll be okay. But mom was like, you know, mom goes, like that, you know, to them that's huge. And then when they realize that, you know, these are our kids too. Right. You know, I care just as much about this little guy as I do about my own children. And I would expect You know, I know that any one of these parents would do the same thing for my kid if he was in there. And once they realize that that's who you are, your job gets so much easier. Because now it goes from, which is how it should be, now it goes from them thinking that there's some sort of backstory or ulterior, or you're hiding something or they're waiting for something to happen to now knowing that if something happened... You made the best decision you could and I'm good with that.
1: Right. And your your experience with that kid and that mom helped solidify that, right? That's but right. It takes experiences like that for people to actually trust that you are doing what's best. Yeah. And and do you do you look for opportunities to make those things happen or do you let them happen naturally and just have patience waiting for that?
2: Yeah, they, they just happen. If you, are, if you are in tune with your children and you are in the classrooms and you're in the hallways, you, know, you, you have to be a people person for this job mm-hmm. and you have to love the kids. And if you, if you look at a child and something doesn't look right, it's probably not. And it's okay to go up and ask them. We had a family, one of the, one of the little kids, um, his, uh, his cousin committed suicide. She was in high school. Um, I found her. Dad came in in the morning and was like, you know, just a heads up. You know, I don't know how he's going to be today, but this happened. And so a group of us went to the funeral home and, you know, we were, we were talking to the kid all day, making sure he's doing all right. You know, you're just joking around with him, trying to, trying to get him, but you don't know what these kids are going through. And, and, and for some of them, they, they just need you to know, you know, they just need you to know that something's not okay. And that the, just the feeling that somebody else, that there's someone else who knows that they can come to my, my door is open. of the day. And kids come in all day long and tell me some of the most ridiculous, goofy things. Mm -hmm. But to them, it's the most important thing that's happening to them at that moment. And the fact that they know that they can tell you is huge. And then, you know, you go and you talk to the parent at pickup and you say, listen, you know, Johnny came in my office today and, you know, he told me that this was happening. I just want to let you know that we had a conversation about it. Let me know if you can do anything. I give I have a work cell phone. I give the number out to the parents. I, mm-hmm. I purposely did it. You can get a Google Voice number. you know you can do whatever, but I give it out to the parents. I'm like, if there's something that I need to know about, please let me know. because the last thing that you want is for one of your kids that you love right. to come into this school upset about whatever's happening outside of the school day. And then somebody says something to them or looks at them wrong. And it starts this chain reaction of, well, what is wrong with her? Why is she being, and you're like, I can warn the teachers. I can give the teachers a heads up that this is happening. We want to, we want to take care of these kids. You want to make sure that they're okay. You know, when, when my children are at school, I don't want to have to worry about them. I want to know that they're being taken care of emotionally and physically. Right. You know, if their dog died, I want the teacher to know that, you know, my kid was up all night last night hysterical because her dog died. You know, we found the fish upside down. I can't calm her down. Right. But then the teachers cannot, you know, the teachers help with that. And so we we all work together to make sure that these kids are taken care of in every way that we can. And it is so important it's so there. You cannot do anything else in your job, and then and then it, it rolls into your relationship with the teachers. It rolls into your. I mean, it it just all it's all encompassing. If you can have that community in your building, it changes everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty powerful. Um, yeah, that's cool. It's uh, it's easy to sometimes. Think that we need to focus on other things, but yeah. what, what we really need to focus on is is that community and building that. Yeah. Um, about the cell phone number issue, I I was pretty protective of my cell phone at my last school, and then mm-hmm. just before I moved up here, right after I moved up here, I saw a tweet from somebody that said, I want to say it's Joe Mazza, but I could be wrong, and it said, we trust our 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 parents trust our kids with our parents trust their kids with us for a whole day we can probably trust them with our cell phone numbers or something like that and that's
2: that's a great one
1: and I thought you know what that's right and here on this island that I live on everybody everybody already knows where I live and knows where my kids are and you know if they really need to they can come over to my house and knock on the door (laughs) So yeah. I might as well let them have my cell phone number. And so I've been calling parents on my cell phone a lot more and yeah. saying, this is my phone. You can text me here. You can call me here. Whatever you need, you know, yeah. you can get in touch. And, um, you know, I'm not like publishing that in our newsletter every
2: no. every
1: month, but right. I am <laughs> when I'm calling a parent and there's an issue, then, then I'm fine to use my cell phone if it's after school. I can't use my cell phone during the day because I'm in my office. It's a... The oh, in like a bunker. Zone, but, yeah, but that's all right. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. So anyway,
1: it's uh, it's good to be able to to do that and feel um, and feel comfortable doing that because I'm looking at it from that perspective. They're trusting me with their kids all day, so yep. I can trust them with this personal part of my life, my cell phone number, and it's not that big a deal. And parents are going to respect that. And if I ever that's have right. kids that get it and do something inappropriate, then there are tools to. Make that's sure right. that's not bothering me, you know? That's right. So. Yeah.
2: And it's, you know, now, especially now with phones that come with do not disturb, you know, the mm-hmm. the biggest issue that we used to have was that, you know, maybe it's an inappropriate time. Maybe, you know, mom calls and, and, you know, for, for good reason, maybe there's something wrong, mm-hmm. but you just can't, you know, the, I turn my phone off usually on Saturdays. I, Saturday is my day that I don't check my work email. Mm-hmm. I don't get on the work Facebook it is my day off because I found when I was working in the job between teaching and my principalship job, I had to have a day off because it was 24 seven and I, I couldn't handle it. I was going crazy. So yeah. I, I now do this and my families know, they know that it's Saturday. I'm not going to answer my phone, but if there or my email, but if there is an emergency, they will send me a text message and I will get to it, but just, and I have, I have yet to have anyone, um abuse it mm-hmm. but the fact that they know that they can is, yeah. is more than what they need you know just to know that you have given them that trust that's it
1: yeah and, and that goes a long way to establish
2: that trust um, yeah it sure does
1: Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher, and please feel free to give us a rating on Stitcher Radio or on iTunes so that we can help spread the word about how much we're learning in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones.